Dan, I don't know how you are, but when I am faced with a big task, sometimes I go out of my way to avoid it. <laughs> I have I've been known to do that a time or two. It seems like the first step is the hardest. Yes. And it seems like if you just wait till tomorrow, there's a chance it might get done without you doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice um, oh, if you yes. could just, I don't know, I keep coming back to that poof button where you just hit the button and poof and it's done. Yep. And I have a lot of tasks that I've been doing, getting ready for my big move to the new wood yard. But the task that I'm talking about is not physically related, as in splitting wood and stacking it on top of each other. Oh, and what, what would that be? The task that I have on my mind was at the end of our episode, which came after <laughs> the Harry Watt interview, I think the title of the episode was Don't Worry, Be Happy. Okay. We, our, our conversation rambled and it wandered and it slipped into that one debate about the f obligations, if any, of a firewood producer and what he or she has to the customers, the end user, the people who are lighting the wood on fire in their wood-burning appliance. The consumer, the person who, if they are under the assumption that the firewood is ready to burn, that the wood would burn. That. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that. And we had, we, I, I think that that, uh, okay, the Harry Watt episode was probably my favorite episode of all time. I really liked it. Yes. I also liked our episode that came following that, where we were just kind of reflecting upon some of the topics that we had brought up with Harry, and we were trying to make sense of it between ourselves. And right near the end, we started talking about, you know, let's, let's start talking about obligations that the industry has. And then we said, you know, let's table this until later because we need to spend more time with this. And that episode was going, I don't know, our episodes are normally like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, but that one yeah. was running pretty long. And we thought, well, let's, let's table this and let's come back to it. So you, <laughs> but, so now is the time. Well, that's what I'm saying. Every time <laughs> we start a new episode, we were thinking, well, Dan, well, Joe, what do you want to talk about? And we'd say, well, we still have that issue that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, but that's going to require too much thinking. <laughs> too much thinking and it is a highly debated topic it's something that i think there's a lot of people on both sides of the fence a lot of good arguments both ways so yeah it's it's um it's an interesting one though yeah there are a lot of people on both sides of the, of the fence but i i think i am <laughs> i'm on both sides of the fence is that possible I'm not, and I'm not even saying I'm wishy-washy. I under, I think I understand what's, what the debate is. I think I understand what is at stake, but you know, this gets back to that, um, personal personality profile where, 
you know, there are people out there, man, if they have an opinion, they'll let you know what it is. <laughs> and it is firm and it will never change no matter what evidence is presented to them. They will go to the grave with this firm belief. I'm, I'm the exact opposite. I, I look for data. I try to apply my own logic. <laughs> Said the guy who left the well-paying job to sell firewood. <laughs> and I, I try, and, and my firewood experience too has been a learning experience. I, I, I think we mentioned that in the, in that one episode where I never ever once considered the harmfulness, the harms of wood smoke. Yeah. Because to me, right. that's that's probably the most enjoyable part. But then you learn that it's not healthy. So I I see data, I take it in, I I calculate it in in my rusty brain, and I I spit out an opinion. I think with this topic, um, I'm going to struggle with this, but I think I'll be able to articulate both sides of the argument. Yeah, I I think. I'm kind of the same way. I mean, well, my position is I know that my customers are buying it to burn that night. So I, I'm kind of leaning towards the, if you're selling firewood, you should be selling firewood that can burn, not green, freshly cut split wood. But I do see the other side of it where if you're in a larger operation, you look at it as the more time means more money. So if, you know, wasting time stacking, wasting time seasoning. If you can just more, the more wood you can put out, the more you're going to make. I think we would conclude that a lot of people who make firewood would say, it's not my problem. I literally don't care. I'm making this firewood and whoever buys it, it's, it's up to them. Would you agree? Right. Yep. Yep. And I, this is where I'm going to struggle because I, I agree with them, but then I also agree with, you know, the, the other side of the argument. And that's, I, I had said this on the Harry Watt interview. I only sell seasoned firewood, but I don't know if my motivation for doing that is necessarily that to uh, best represent the industry. I think it's more of an economic reason because seasoned firewood is more expensive i can make more money selling firewood that's been stacked for a year versus fresh cut green right yeah uh and then and and you know if you if you had the other i guess the other thing that i always look at is my example is if i went to the grocery store and i wanted to buy a dozen eggs they would not give me a chicken and go home and say, here you go, wait for it to lay 12 eggs and then you'll have a dozen. Like I want what I want right now as a consumer. So for firewood, like what is your definition of firewood? And also what is your definition of seasoned firewood? Right. And it's not just my definition. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can, I can say here in the state of Ohio, it is right in the ORC, the Ohio revised code, the definition that the state of Ohio has for seasoned firewood, Dan, is less than 50% moisture content. What? 
Yeah, I'm serious. So you could literally cut down a tree and split it and sell it, and you are legally protected to call it seasoned firewood. Now, this is in Ohio. I don't know what any other state is. I've never taken the time to find that out, <laughs> but I did see that in Ohio. And we all know if anyone ever has purchased a moisture meter and has any inkling of what moisture content is when you first cut down a tree, you know, I've I've tested green firewood, a tree that has just been cut down and it was under 50% moisture content. Yeah. So I was... the state of Ohio would back <laughs> wow. me up saying that I can call that seasoned firewood. You know darn well it's not going to burn. That is amazing. Wow. I yeah. would I I've always been under the assumption of 20% is what is considered seasoned. As do I. I'm just saying to what yeah, you know, the state of Ohio is saying oh what they're what they're what they determine season firewood. It's <laughs> probably just one of these things some politician that doesn't know just just pulled out a number and and put it into the code. Right. Yeah. Well, fifty percent. That's half. That's half dry. It should be good. <laughs> <laughs> Only let light the left side of the log on fire. <laughs> Or that's not what you mean by half. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I see that this episode could go on for hours because I see the person who is selling firewood. Now, I could again, I can only speak for the state of Ohio. They <laughs> This is where this is where it gets tough. Go to Facebook, go to Craigslist and every every Joe down the road is selling firewood and uh, they're selling it by the truckload, by the stack, by whatever you want it to, whatever quantity, you know, there was the one guy, he had it all written down. It was a pickup truck load, eight foot bed, six and a half foot bed stacked even with the bed or heaping a Chevy <laughs> and S 10 size truck, you know, and the oh. S 10 has, hasn't been made in over 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's this amorphous, there's a great word for you, a definition of what the quantity of firewood is in Ohio, at least they, but no one follows this rule and it's not enforced. Yeah. Firewood must be sold in a cord or a fraction of yep, which fraction. I, which I comply. Yep. And I comply to the operating definition of moisture content, which is 20 ish percent, which means it's going to burn today. Yeah. Yeah. But here in Ohio, I mean, I can be 50%, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I have me a $13 moisture meter. I got a Harbor freight. I don't know. It works, I guess. And I have cut down or not cut down, but I mean, I have processed green Oak and I stick it into the, into the wood and it reads overload where it won't even, it's too high for the yeah. moisture meter to register. But I'm your typical, you know, your white woods, maple, ash, beach. It doesn't, it reads 50 and under. Yeah, and it's 38, season. 28, 29, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But it's still not going to burn. And all you have to do is being around firewood long enough to feel it. The thud means it's green. You know, yep. the, the clink means it's dry. The checking that's on the face of the log means it's dry. Maple, when it's split open, it when it's green, it's kind of like this creamy white. 
and within days it tans out and it starts drying out and it turns gray when it's dry. And I just, uh, <laughs> when I have not sold all of the wood that I have is sold all my dry stuff. Now I have a lot of green stuff, but I just don't sell it. People are still calling me in February and March wanting firewood. And I tell them I don't have any and I'm not going to sell it. And you know darn well they're going to someone else and they're buying their wood. Yep. And and in it goes. Now would you would you ever consider telling them I have wood, it's not seasoned, it's green, it's not ready to burn, but you could buy that. I always have that discussion. I'll always ask, are you burning it now or is this for next year? But that is still a double-edged sword for me because I'm not going to sell it green. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's just way too many places for a consumer to buy green firewood. Yeah, because they and... probably want it at a discount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, that's the perennial thing. I just responded to some emails people asking inquiring for my they wanted uh, firewood and then they want to know how much well how much is it if i pick it up <laughs> well <laughs> it's the we don't have yeah we don't have pickup and it's the same price yeah i might even charge you more <laughs> and i just see it dan at least with my customers because my customers are not the people who heat with firewood they are looking more for ambiance and that's where this drive for seasoned firewood is people aren't experienced getting a fire started they want it to be easy but and that's what harry watt had brought up these new stoves with the catalyst yes. in them and we the the evidence the data is conclusive it's not even controversial anymore these new style stoves work they are they are awesome as a matter of fact the reason that if there has been any desire to see some improvements in air quality around major metropolitan areas where the research is done it's because people are burning garbage for you know garbage wood yeah green season or unseasoned wood yes which is yeah. also not healthy for the stove Right. Yeah, that's that's the key with these new stoves is that you need to burn seasoned wood inside them. So that, you know, that right there burning seasoned wood alone gives you better efficiency and it burns off more of those particulate matter that come from burning firewood. Wherein lies the heart of this discussion today? <laughs> <laughs> What obligation does the producer have to his or her customer that the wood they are buying is seasoned slash ready to burn <laughs> slash not green? <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you this. What do you think would happen? You know, the process of refining oil into gasoline, right? Yeah. What, what would happen if that last step was skipped out on or not done as efficiently and you were when you went to the gas station and you bought gas you didn't know whether or not it was going to make it was going to perform as expected or cause damage to your vehicle yeah like you know at some point do you think there needs to be almost 
some type of, it's the same thing with food. Like if you were selling food at a farmer's market and everyone got sick from it, you would have to probably go through some inspections or you'd have to have something done to where they made sure what you were selling was safe and yeah. Able this to gets into that perennial debate too about the role of government, you know, and everyone, a lot of people out there that, you know, that believe in the free market, they believe in capitalism, uh, they want the free market to prevail, I think falls flat because the free market doesn't uh, prevent you from catching botulism or, or salmonella from, right. from bad food. So the government provides oversight and enforces a meatpacking company or a food production facility to follow standards of cleanliness because, you know, a lot of people still die every year because of food poisoning. And then the same thing for gasoline. I would imagine there is a host of federal standards for gasoline and for refineries that have to meet certain standards for the quality of the product and I guess how, you know, for instance, the lead, the lead additive, yep. you know, which, yeah. which was driven by government regulation. And, you know, if you want to sit back and let the uh, market determine that, well, you know, how many people are going to die <laughs> while the market ferrets this out, you know, so that we know not to buy food off of company <laughs> A because you'll die from a, an intestinal worm. <laughs> okay. You know, so I don't know if you have a commitment to life and health and, and all, and then, okay. So then the big debate begins, how much is too much federal regulation? And I don't know. It just seems like this, it, it, at least with firewood, it is still the wild West. Yeah, it definitely is. It, it's anyone can do it. There's no barrier to entry. There's nothing that you, you don't have to go through. If you want to get certified in Wisconsin, I think you have to, you know, you, ha you will be inspected and you have to show that your wood was either seasoned for two years or that you had a kiln to dry it and heat treat it to whatever temperature for so many hours. But, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, anyone can go out, cut down a tree tomorrow and sell it the next day. And, and that's what makes, I think, firewood, though, so appealing. It is the people's industry where all you need is a tree, a saw, <laughs> and, and, and some elbow grease, and anyone can do it. And anyone can provide their labor power to create value to put money in the beer fund yes. or whatever. And I don't know. I think that is, that's just one of the appeals of the firewood industry. But then, you know, it is, it's a legitimate energy source just like propane or natural gas or or fuel oil or electricity you know yeah and and it is just a largely unregulated and when the regulations are in place i'm speaking here for ohio they're they're bogus <laughs> yeah 50 percent moisture <laughs> yeah yeah 50 percent moisture and if you are sensitive about air quality season firewood your answer if you're sensitive about not wrecking an expensive epa stove season firewood's your your answer but that again to me it kind of falls upon the consumer and not the producer but i also I, i'm just speaking for myself if 
I don't know if I'm being honest if I say that I'm totally motivated to sell seasoned firewood simply because, you know, it's better for the environment. I don't know. I think in a way I'm, it's at my peripheral, but mine's motivated by, I'm a capitalist. You know? It's better I've, for your business. I, yes. I have yes. figured out that selling seasoned firewood is better for my business. So I just right. don't sell green firewood, but then in turn, that's also better for the environment. It's better for your neighbors. It's better for your stove. It's better for your aggravation of not being able to get your fire started. <laughs> well, and it's and better for bringing customers back. I think it is. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. For me, it's, it's an economic decision, but I don't know. Is it, should it be an obligation of a firewood producer? I don't know, Dan, to me, maybe it should be the obligation for the producer to declare what it is. Yeah. But that's where I'm getting at, where I think a lot of people that make and sell firewood, take a look on Facebook. I just, I really don't think that's that they care. It's literally not their problem. Right. Yeah. And they, and the, and they're also under the assumption of if there's other people out there selling a bad product that will just drive customers to them. So, you know, it's kind of one of those, and then at some point, you don't have anywhere to really go anyway. So just buy from whoever you bought it from last time. I think the other problem too, that's at the heart of all this is that there is a firewood shortage every year. I have said this before. I can't prove yeah. it, but I know that I am right. There is not a single stick of firewood in this country that does not go unsold. <laughs> and that's, so, yeah, that's what Harry Watt mentioned as well. He said, when you're selling, when you've sold all your seasoned wood, stop selling. You know, but I think everyone continues selling because they want more money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ford Motor Company quit selling trucks because. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, don't make more. Domino's quit selling pizza. So that, I don't know. It's not a reasonable. Uh, Dan, I'm just, I, I think I made this comment with Harry that if I, for instance, this year, you know, I've, I've sold out them all my dry firewood. To me, that's feedback that I am an ineffective business. I need to improve. That's an opportunity for me to become more profitable. I got to get my supply up. Yes. Now, my woes of the procurement side are well documented. So I can take responsibility. I guess I'm accountable for everything, but, you know, <laughs> the logs aren't there. The logs aren't there. But the bottom line is, Dan, I'm just not going to sell green firewood. It's worth for me to sit on it and then sell it when it's dry. I, I'm serious. I will go out right now and buy it that someone else already made. And that's where I get people that are wanting to buy green firewood off of me. I just tell them, go up the road because you can get it much cheaper than uh, what you can buy it off of me. And I'm not going to sell my stuff cheap. I work too hard for my money. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing with when you get back to the increasing production and getting the logs in, then those logs also have to be processed and, you know, all that. And that's where I just find it hard to believe why people, some people sell so cheap. You know, they, they I, I don't know if they don't understand or they don't have the concept of what they really invested into that cord of wood to yeah. just turn around and sell it for nothing. 
I still think I sell mine. I sell my my firewood at a very high price. And then after I deliver it sometimes on my way back to load up for another delivery, I'm thinking, gosh, that was a lot of work for for whatever I just made. <laughs> is, is there an easier way? And then I think, well, I don't know. I think I'd rather be doing this than sitting in a cubicle right now. So I'll I'll, I'll keep selling firewood. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's I think, and that's I don't know. One of the biggest things I see is w- when people talk about the customer's job to season the wood, or it's the customer's responsibility. That's that's the bottom line. Is they want to run their processor and make as much firewood as they can sure and not have to worry about the stacking and the seasoning and and the time you have to put in to let that wood season i mean that's you know time is money yeah well i see that side of the argument too at what point should a consumer know darn well that what wood they're getting isn't going to burn don't you think that if you are heating your house in the winter time and if you're buying wood in february I would hope that people just realize that that tree just got cut. Now that tree was alive last week. <laughs> yeah. It, however, it... <laughs> however, I've a lot of my customers they haven't a clue about they don't. It's just like me not even considering that wood smoke is harmful. It, they've never considered that you know, wood is full of water until it's stacked and let it and let it dry out. Yeah. They. I hear complaints that people say i bought it off of such and such and that wood his wood doesn't burn it just smokes <laughs> you know that's because it's it was green and my wood's gonna burn because it was made last last winter but they just uh, it's an education thing you know educating the consumer and that kind of gets back again to the harry watt episode uh we're gonna have to put the link to that episode in our um podcast notes but harry was making a comparison between firewood sales and uh, lumber boards for woodworkers and he was talking about the obligation that a person with a mill would have to their consumer because an inexperienced woodworker wouldn't know that you shouldn't build stuff with untreated heat treated lumber and he had cited the guy the guy that put some type of flooring in his house and then a few months later there were worms crawling out of the wood (laughs) remember that yep yeah and he said you know that an experienced woodworker would know darn well that you shouldn't build stuff with this stuff well then here you go right into firewood people just don't know and I see that with my customers. They don't understand quantities. They don't understand moisture content. They don't understand species. Uh, they just have a general understanding that it is wood and you put it in there and you light it up. And it burns. Yep. Well, light a, ma- theory, light a match and burn it. In theory, it burns. It, it should burn. <laughs> right. And, and I don't even know sometimes if customers, if they want to learn, they, you know, I don't think. And by what I mean by what they don't want to learn, like I don't think it dawns on them when they buy crappy green wood, they just think, oh, well, that's just how firewood is. You know, you see people at campground sitting around a smoldering, smoky fire and they're having a good time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they don't even know. Well, to each their own, though. Um, you know, some people just 
you know, it doesn't make them any better or worse than anyone else. It's just, you know, I mean, I can tell time, but I can't build a clock. Yep. I can uh, surf the internet, but I can't increase the RAM of my computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's again, this is just one of those. And I don't I'm not I don't think we're coming across as we're trying to lean one way or the other. I just think it's an interesting conversation. And again, everyone's business, everyone's woodyard operates in a different way. It's just an interesting topic and sometimes something maybe to look at and, and think about and say, yeah, maybe selling all this wood just right off the splitter maybe isn't really best for my business. Maybe I should let some wood season and I'll increase my sales or yeah. increase the price for it. Well, I think it's reasonable to expect that firewood is cheaper to buy in the spring and summer than it is in the fall and winter, early winter, I would say. Yeah. Well, no, I would say in the well, winter because no, people, yeah. you know, that's what I'm thinking. People are selling green firewood, so it's still worth more in the winter time, which is unfortunate. But that is, you know, the self-defeating idea that we're talking about here with firewood as an energy source. It's <laughs> largely unregulated, and um, I think you had made a comment that it's we're we the the firewood industry we are our own worst enemy. Yeah. By selling green firewood, it is uh, polluting the air with particulate matter, and and it's eventually going to get on the radar screen. And then where we had that discussion about the Puget Sound, different municipalities that are cracking down on on pollutants, we're contributing to it. Right. Maybe not for me because I'm out here in the middle of a cow pasture. I'm out here in the middle of a cornfield, but we all don't live in the same circumstances, in the same situations where you have higher population density. You know, some local building codes now are forbidding a wood-burning appliance in the house because of a, <laughs> a chimney <laughs> spewing out black smoke from green firewood. Um makes the air harmful to breathe yeah or well, or or fire pits on your backyard patio or in your backyard if you know if you live so close to your neighbors you can't burn in your yard you can't do any of that stuff i mean that's those restrictions are put in place due to people burning unseasoned firewood yeah i totally agree <laughs> but then what's the answer what is the and, answer yes <laughs> And that's that's my internal struggle. I see both sides of it. I think that the firewood industry is its own worst enemy. I think an uneducated consumer certainly is too and contributes heavily to it. And I don't know what the answer is. I would wish that my poof button would include that we only sell seasoned firewood. I think, though, that's because you can sell, you can make more money doing it. Uh, probably you can even make less wood and still make more money uh, if you just if you just stack it and and let it sit for a while. But I don't know. You know, it's just the way some people are. 
um, you, you hear it all the time and I do too in comments and stuff. And there are a lot of people out there that are in the firewood their whole lives. And they think that everything that I am doing is sacrilegious. <laughs> I sell my firewood for way too much. I'm greedy and I'm gouging people and stuff. And I just completely disagree just because I do it different from you. Uh, doesn't make me, you know, any, uh, any <laughs> <Yeah>. less. <laughs> that is, that's another interesting point with the firewood industry is, Along with no barrier to entry, it seems like everyone is in a race to the bottom for pricing. <laughs> like yeah. everyone is always trying to sell it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And it just amazes me. I just saw the other day someone had, I think it was $55 for a third of a cord. It's like, oh my goodness. And I have always said you can be in the firewood industry and be successful at it without even owning a saw because you can just go buy the firewood already made. You could probably even get the guy to stack it for you. <laughs> the way people sell firewood and sell it so cheap. I have my one restaurant. I have a very good relationship with them. And the manager was laughing to me the other day that a company had stopped in, they were eating there and they inquired about the firewood and um, if they would be interested in using them as their service. And mm. she told me that they, they immediately are just talking price. She says that you cannot understand our, our, our viewpoint until you walk a mile in my shoes. It is not the money that we are spending for firewood. It is, do you answer the phone when we call? And I'm thinking, yes, I do. <laughs> are you available when there's an uh-oh and we forgot to call you? Will you show up on Christmas Eve? Uh, to keep our, our woodshed filled. Will you uh, only give us wood that will burn? You know, they don't care about the price as much as they care about the service. And she says that everyone that comes in here is just talking price. They want to find out what they're paying for wood and they'll sell it to them for cheaper. Yep. And yep. that's just where people's minds are. And that's not, well, I guess restaurants are their own thing, but that's not necessarily what the restaurants are worried about. They want to know, Come February, when the entire valley is sold out of seasoned firewood, and it's nowhere to be found, that your supplier is going to be bringing you seasoned firewood. Right. You, they're gonna, you're gonna bring them the wood they need when they need it, and it's gonna burn that night. Yeah. Yep. And someone offering them fifty dollars less a cord, that means nothing to them. No. You know. Yeah. So. I guess uh, we've completely solved that problem then. We know exactly what the <laughs> firewood industry should be doing. I was, was just Mark, sitting here thinking, Dan, we've accomplished nothing with this. Mark discussion. that off. <laughs> check that off the list. Done. Yes, that's the only thing we've accomplished <laughs> is we can cross this one off the list as another <laughs> as another meaningless one hour of babble. <laughs> no, I think it I think it was a good discussion. It's it's just one of those things that's always interesting to talk to people and see their side of their perspective on it. No. I agree. I, I just, I'm just all over the place. I do not have a strong opinion. I see it from every angle, but the bottom line is, uh, green firewood's got to have its place. And that is getting ready to be burned next year. Yep. <laughs> Burning yeah. it right now is not helping anything. So Dan, I think it's maybe time that we, strike up the band and we go out and watch the green firewood dry 
Hey, I like the sound of that. Yeah, sit back and watch some wood season. <laughs> I um I can't think of anything better to do right now. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. That sounds good. So thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Woodhounds right here on the number one firewood podcast in the world. That's right, and we want to thank everyone for. Uh, tuning in and please if you haven't done so give us a five star rating that really does help out the podcast and Dan I think it's time that I ask you to be safe and have fun (laughs) (laughs) and have a great day there you go